All right, so hey, we're on a part two of our exponential series. Uh, this is a mini series, it's three parts, and so you guys were already halfway, even though we began last Sunday. Uh, but what we've been doing is we're talking about how our God is an exponential God, meaning this uh, God has big plans, He has big purposes, not just for Himself, but it says in Scripture for each and every one of you guys. There's also a piece of Scripture that says that before that you were formed in your mother's womb, that you had a plan and a purpose. And the reason we're talking about this is, I don't know for you guys, but for myself, it is so easy to kind of get stuck in the mundane rut of just living day to day. You know, you wake up, uh, you know, you eat, and then you go to work, and then you come back home and deal with kids, and you go to sleep, and you kind of wake up all over again, and you kind of work for the weekend, get to the weekend, have a little breather, and you just kind of start all over again. Now, while it may seem like, oh, that's kind of just, you know, what, what life is, I want to challenge you, could life be more than that? Could life actually have a bigger meaning, a bigger purpose? And for those who call ourselves Christians, the answer is profoundly yes. Yes, God is much bigger than those things. We believe that since Scripture says that he had a plan and purpose for us even before we were born, that means there must be something more that God has, something great for us. So here's a question I want you guys to ask yourselves. Do you believe that God has something great planned for you? Just ask yourselves that. Do you believe that God has something great planned for you? The problem is, is that maybe we just don't feel like that all the time. How many of you guys know in our society we operate by feelings, right? We, we feel. We, we, we feel offended. We feel angry. We feel sad. Uh, very rarely people feel happy, feel joyful, uh, feel excited, um, if you go through Facebook feed or through your Instagram and all that, it's, it's, it seems like one bad news after another bad news, and we get caught up in how we feel. And the problem is, is that it doesn't feel like God has something great planned for us all the time, that it can feel like maybe, maybe God has forgotten about you. Or maybe God told you something, he says, I'm going to bring this as a promise into your life, but maybe some years have passed and you feel like maybe God moved on. For myself, I've been in seasons like this before where uh, God has promised something or God has shown me something. I'm like, oh, I get really excited, and it goes well. And we talked about this last week with Abraham and Sarah where God gives you a glimpse of something. You get excited for a while, but then time has passed. For Abraham and Sarah, it was for like 10 years, at least a decade, for this promise to come into fruition. And when time passes, we can get a little antsy. We can get just a little like, uh, like, God, are you still there? If not, uh, you know, maybe I can help you out a little bit, God, by fast-forwarding your plan and your promise in my life. But here's the thing that we learned last week. When you take God's promises into your own hands, you mess things up. You mess things up. In fact, the promises of God, this is kind of a big idea from last week, the promises of God do not come to life through your own strength through your own effort. Abraham and Sarah did that, and God promised them that I was, he, he said, I was going to give you a child, and you're going to give birth to the nations, and all this great plan and purpose, and some years have passed by, and, and they're kind of just stuck, and they're like, oh, like, what are we going to do? Do we need to, like, what's going to happen? So Sarah had this bright idea. Sarah had a bright idea saying, hey, Abraham, um, how about you sleep with our maidservant? She can get pregnant. We can call that our own kid. Sounds like a great idea, right? All the wives should be saying no right now. 
Like, don't, that is a big no-no. Do not do that. And so what happened is, is you know, uh, their maidservant got pregnant and, and gave birth to a son. And, of course, the maidservant and Sarah started having some conflict. And, and finally, Sarah got so mean uh, with her maidservant, she eventually drove her away through her anger. And the Lord said, because of you took my promise in your own hands, there's actually a curse upon this son. And so that's how big and important it is not to take the promises of God into your own hands. But here's some good news, and this is what I love about the God that we serve, is because our God is so big, when we think we mess things up, we haven't messed them up for God. When we think we've messed things up, we haven't messed them up for God. In fact, God has been on plan A from the beginning of eternity. Don't think about that. Your brain will explode. But it's from point A, God has been on the move in your life. And anything that you do cannot throw him off. He, you don't mess up and God's sitting on his throne saying, oh, wow, you really messed it up. What am I going to do now? He's saying, you know what? If you come to me, you know, repent and know that I'm still number one in your life, I can redirect you to where you need to go. And the good news for Abraham and Sarah, that's what happened. And we, said, we read last week, that's exactly what happened. God brought the promise into their life. And so last week, we talked about those who are waiting on the promises of God. And today, we're going to talk about being intentional and looking for the promises of God. More specifically, being intentional and looking for God's work in your life. There are a lot of times where uh, it does not seem like God is working. There's a lot of times where it seems like God is not working in our life. But I want to ask us, maybe we don't see that because we're not looking for it. Maybe we don't see that because we're not looking for it. It's very similar to the concepts of like not feeling like you're blessed until you count all your blessings. Right? Have you guys done that? Like, oh, I'm not blessed. And oh, my third car in my driveway broke down, and I don't know what's happening, and my, my heater, it's really, it's really cold, and, you know, it's, it's 70 degrees, but, man, I need a warmer, and it's just, uh, and you can, you can feel like the enemy's coming at you, and it can feel like you're not being blessed until you sit down, clear all that clutter away, and say, well, I've got another car. At least I have power. I got food in the fridge. I got kids that are healthy. I've got a roof over my head. The same way works about looking for God's work in your life. It's so easy to get caught up in the negativity and the bitterness that the enemy wants for you and say, you know what, God, I don't see you working in my life. But maybe we need to stand back. For Abraham, he had to get out of his tent and look at the stars. Maybe we need to stand back and actually look like, okay, what has God done? And I'll guarantee you that will point you to where God is taking you. Sometimes we need to do that. I've heard it and I've, I've even said it that, man, I just don't see God working. And, and then I change my perspective a little bit. And guess what? When you change your perspective, you can actually see God working everywhere in your life. Here's the thing. We believe God has a plan and he will put us in situations and circumstances to get us where we need to get going. But he's got a free will. And when God puts us in a place, God puts us in the right place at the right time. In fact, that's the title for today's ser uh, sermon today. The right place at the right time. Let me explain why. Uh, I went on a mission trip to Green Bay, and I did a, a lot of cool things. I went there as a sophomore in high school and went to a mission trip, and it was, a, it was really, really cool. 
And my brother told me, he says, uh, you know, my brother was a Green Bay Packers fan. He says, if you ever go there, like, he was, like, super young. He's like, just make sure you, like, you look out for, like, Brett Favre and, like, all these people because you're in their city. You might see them. And I'm looking, I'm like, dude, this is a massive city. I doubt I'll see anyone famous going there. He's like, well, if you just see him, just, 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 make, just make sure you get an autograph from me. Would you do that? And just as a good big brother, I'm like, sure, whatever. Like, I'll get myself one and not get you one. And so <laughs> I didn't do that. So we go, and I'm on this missions trip, and we volunteered at an orphanage where uh, it was super hot. It was in the summer, super humid because we're by the Bay Area. And we're doing all this work, and we're just tired. I mean, we worked probably a good 12 hours that day painting and scraping and all that stuff. And all my friends, we load up our stuff in the back of the truck, and we're just ready to get home. I don't know if you guys have been, like, you know, work for that long. Railroaders, you know how you feel. Like, I just want to go home and just crash. Like, I just want to sleep, and I want no one to bother me, and I'll be ready for tomorrow's work. And so I had that kind of attitude, and I moved to the truck, and I saw a bunch of, like, cameras over to my left walking into the orphanage entrance. And I'm, and I'm kind of looking like, what in the world is going on? There's like 50 cameras there. And there's a guy, there's like a big backdrop. And there's a guy that steps up to this podium, starts giving a speech. Now, me being an NFL fan, I knew exactly who that was. I knew exactly who that was. My friends, however, did not. They could care less. And I saw what was going on. I'm like, I could probably sneak away and go maybe meet this guy and see what he's up to. And so I snuck away for a little bit, and I, the cameras all moved away and all that stuff. And he gets to his car, and I yell, Coach Sherman. It was Mike Sherman that was there, head coach of Green Bay Packers. I said, Coach Sherman, can I grab a quick autograph from you? And he says, sure, why not? And then I pressed a little bit. Can I get two autographs? Because this is for my brother, and I want one of my own so I can brag to my friends. You know, I met you know, head coach of Green Bay Packers. And he, he just signed that, and he was a really great guy, and it was a really great experience. And the reason I want to share that with you is because if I wasn't intentionally looking for something, or if I didn't have it in the back of my head, or if I had the same attitude as my friends, I could have missed out on something that was very awesome. And I believe the same goes with our walk with God. You see, from the outside, it could have looked like, Vaughn, you were just at the right place at the right time. Like, you were just lucky that happened. But what if... What if I was intentionally just seeking, like, this could happen? And God opens that door, and I see that open door, and I said, okay, it's not just the right place at the right time, but this might be a God opportunity. You see, we don't believe in chance. Nothing just happens in chance. But we do believe God has orchestrated and put things together, not only for our benefit, but for his glory. The idea of being at the right place at the right time is something that God does all the time in our life. But so many times we miss out because we're not looking for those moments. Being at the right place at the right time happens more times than not. But because our focus is on something else, like it could have been like my friend saying that I just want to get home and just crash. We can be so focused on that, we miss at the right place at the right time moments. I mean, it would have been so easy to miss because we worked all day. We were tired and we were sweaty. We wanted a shower and to relax. My friends were so focused on getting back to the hotel, they actually missed out on something that was, in turn, a great experience for me. What if, what if God has been placing you at the right time, at the right place, but we've missed out? Because I read scripture more times than not, God does that. 
being in the right place at the right time. There's actually a scripture for this concept in Ecclesiastes 9, uh, 11. You see in your worship guide notes, it's not a, a lot of fill-ins, a lot of scripture that we usually have, because I want to share kind of what God has done here at the Rock Church, but maybe kind of dream a little bit together this morning to where God might be bringing us in the future. But Ecclesiastes chapter 9, this is what the author says about the right place at the right time. He says this, he says, I have observed something else under the sun. The fastest runner doesn't always win the race. The strongest warrior doesn't always win the battle. The wise sometimes go hungry, and the skillful are not necessarily wealthy. And those who are educated don't always lead successful lives. Just a little hint out there, like, like I didn't go to seminary, so just put that out there. But this is what he says. He says, it's all decided by chance, by being in the right place, at the right time. Now, now what he's saying, I don't want to miss out a very important part of this. He's saying just because you might be qualified doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to win. A good concept that we can all learn, right? Just because you're qualified doesn't mean you're going to get the job. Just because you're qualified doesn't mean you're going to win the race. It, you know, stuff happens. And so that's kind of what life is like. But he makes a statement that it seems like for a lot of people, they get ahead in life, or even that it looks like God is working in their life and not your life. It could look like they're just in the right place at the right time. I mean, have you guys ever felt like, maybe you felt like this. You see someone walking on the corner or kind of walking on the street and they find a $100 bill. Dude, you got lucky. Right place at the right time. Or maybe you were the person that you invested in Apple back in you know, the 70s and 80s for $100 bills, and, and now in return, it's worth a million dollars. That guy just got lucky. Right place at the right time. Or maybe they, they go ahead and, and they find their, their, their spouse, and, and it's just a great marriage and all that stuff, and they're like, man, you, you, you're just lucky. Right place at the right time. Or another way we say it is that luck just found you. Luck just found you. And you would be right in saying so. But I don't think that's all to the story. And here's why. You see, God is the author of time and space. Like, like he is control. He, he, he knows everything. He created everything. And when it comes to people of God like you and me, this life and the things that happen in it are not just chance. We believe that. It's not just chance. I believe God intentionally puts us in places that seem like we're in the right place at the right time. Now, there might be some people here that say, you know, that never happens to me, Vaughn. Like, that never happens to me. Like, like, like I go through life, and I go through the stuff, and, and it never, never happens. And I would challenge you with this. As Christians, we believe that God is control. God is orchestrating things and he's putting things in our path of life for his glory. And that means that the moments that look like lucky or yet the right place at the right time, there's something more to that. If you go through the mundane things of life, you might miss it. I mean, does your day sound like this? Let me read this off to you. Maybe you have to get up at the same old time. You shut off the same old alarm clock. You, you walk in the same old bathroom. You look at the same old face in the same old mirror, get in the same old shower, dry off with the same old towel. That's really gross. Get like a new towel every other day. 
That's really gross. And put on the same old clothes. Uh, you walk down to the same old kitchen. You, you get the same old cereal with your same old bowl, with your same old mug, and you do the same old breakfast routine. Go to your same old job, and then you go back to the same old house, and you see your same old kids, and see your same old wife, and you fall in the same old recliner. You wake up, and you go back to your same old bed. You ask your wife the same old question. You roll over, you fall back asleep, and that was funny. Come on, guys. That was funny. Thank you, sinners, for laughing with me. I appreciate that. But then you fall asleep, and you start the routine all over again the next day. You see, it is so easy in life just to follow the mundane life routine. And when you're focused on following the same old mundane routine, you're not going to be looking for what God has for you. You're not going to be looking for what God has for you. I mean, how boring does that life sound? But in reality, that's a lot like our lives today. But what if, what if there's something more to it? What if God is doing something? Here's what I think we do. I think we realize we get stuck in a routine and we ask God to do a new thing in our lives to, to rejuvenate our walk with him. But this is what I found out. More times than not, church, we don't have to ask God to do a new thing in our life. Why? Because God is already doing something. God is always at work. We're going to read a scripture here that proves that. God is always at work. And so we think, God, would you just do a new thing to kind of wake me up in this life? Would you, would you bring something new? Would you kind of stir it up a little bit? All the while, God's saying, I've been working in your life, but you've been so focused on going through your daily routine, you're missing out what I'm doing. What if there's more to this life? There's a verse I want to show you in John chapter 5, and it's where the Pharisees are harassing Jesus for working on the Sabbath. And Jesus replies in a way that I want to talk about this morning. It's in John 5, 17. It says this. It says, but Jesus replied to the Pharisees. He says, my father is always working. He's always working, and so am I. And he goes on to a very, very important statement. He says, Jesus explained, I'll tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He does only what his father is doing. Whatever the father does, the son does also. Here's my question to you. Do you see what your father is doing in your life? I mean, like, do you really see it? Not in other people's life, but in your life. Not at the Rock Church, but in your household. Like, do you see what God is doing because the fact is, God is doing something. And I don't want you to miss it. He's always up to something. He's always blessing something. He's always creating something. And when it comes to being in the right place at the right time, it's not about trying to play a game of chance. But it's actually be about being where God is working at. I think sometimes, and this kind of gives us out of our comfort zone, we have to remove ourselves from the rut of this life and put ourselves where God is working. I mean, what if we just tried that? For some of us, that might, that might mean something like really big and bold, like we're going to move or something like that. But some of us, it might just be just a little sidestep because God has always been there, right there, working. But maybe we're so focused on something else, we miss it. You see, when we partner with God, 
And we go all in with those times, with our resources and our talents and our money. I mean, that, that's where I believe that God really multiplies in your life. Like when you finally partner with God, because there's a difference than saying, God, I need you to do something, than saying, okay, God, I see what you're doing over there. I'm going to join you on that. Just like the video that we saw, God's not calling us to live in moments. He's asking, he, he's asking us to be a part of his movement that started from the time began. I mean, is, is this clicking a little bit? Because here, here's how I grew up. Let me, let me kind of go off here a little bit. I grew up in a small town, a little smaller than North Platte. It was Miles City, Montana, cowboy country up there. And I can tell you, the stigma of small towns is saying, ah, oh, things never change, and we're just going to be stuck here. In fact, I remember in high school, my friends saying, I want to get out of my town because nothing happens here. More times than not, they get back into their own hometown, and they live there, and they go along with their lives. Here's the issue that I see with that. The issue is not because small towns and small town stigma. I'm a country boy. I love small towns. That's why I chose to pastor here. But I don't want us as Christians to think God does not move in small towns. Like God has a plan and a purpose for North Platte. There's a reason why North Platte exists. There's a reason why you are in North Platte. There's a reason why God puts you at your job in North Platte. There's a reason why you work at the rail yard or work in Sutherland or you work at the D.C. I mean, there is a reason to everything that is going on in North Platte in your life. And it's all because of his movement that he's trying to start. But the thing is, church, is we have to partner with God. It's not that we're asking God to do something new here. It's the fact that we're trying to open our eyes and actually see God and say, God, we want to join you on that. But we have to be intentionally looking for it. Because it's not about being at the right place at the right time. It's about just intentionally looking for what God is going to do. I mean, the Rock Church and, uh, is, it has a lot, of, a lot of great things, but we need to know that it's not about playing a game with chance. It's about just partnering where God is working. The Rock Church, I've been here for about four years, but I know that decades earlier, pastors have been talking about that God has got something big and awesome planned for this church. And I fully believe that's going to happen. And so in the next few moments, like I said, there's not a lot of points, there's not a lot of, a lot of scripture, but I just, want, I just want to dream with you for a little bit this morning. And I just want to see, what if? What if? What if God wants to do that? What if God takes us that direction? You see, because God is always on the move, but I think we need to be intentionally looking for where God is going to take us. And so I want to share some vision with you if I can and uh, where we might be heading in the next, uh, next five years. And here, here's two things that will probably happen. Two things that will probably happen this morning is, one, some of us are going to get very, very excited. Really, really excited. Okay, we'll get there. <laughs> we'll get there. The second thing is this might scare you or you realize like, ah, and I don't, maybe I don't want God to do that in my church. Those are the two responses I feel like will probably, that you'll probably receive this morning. And I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to do work, even including myself, because God is a big God. And we ask to get a glimpse of what God has for us. We see his big plans. 
we see his big plans. So I pray that we get excited this morning, or at least it'll start that fire where we might be going, because I believe with all my heart, God wants us to be an exponential church in our city, an exponential church in our city, but do we believe it? Do we believe it? Like, I know we've been here, and the church has been established for quite some time, and maybe there was a time that, that a previous pastor came in, and, like, you were excited, and everything was going great, but maybe decades have passed, just with like Abraham and Sarah, and so maybe that fire has died down a little bit. Let me tell you, God is not done with this church yet. He's not done with you yet. If you, a pastor says, if you are still breathing, God still has, still has a plan for your life. And he says, until you're dead, you're not done. Until you're dead, you're not done. And so that means God still has a plan and a purpose for you, including in this church. But do we believe our church is a pivotal part of God's plan and bringing hope and salvation to the city of North Platte? Because I do. I've seen it. I've seen people getting restored and, and, and salvation coming in their lives. And let me tell you, that's just the beginning. But it's going to require us to step aside and partner where God is going. The only reason I believe that is, of course, yes, through prayer, but God has been putting us in places that people could only say, oh, you've just been at the right place at the right time. You were just lucky. You were just lucky. But I believe it's not by chance. I believe it's because God has put us there. It's been proven through a couple things, small things, but nonetheless God things. So I want to kind of share a few things that where God has taken us. And just let you know how I discern as a pastor, I, I, I believe if God is still working and we're still getting some attacks from the outside, that means we're doing something right. They, they say if you don't get 10% conflict with 90% of the work, you're, you're doing something good. And so we're, we're going that direction. Uh, but I also know this, that if we're a church and we feel like nothing is bad is happening or conflict is not taking place. Another pastor told me, he, he said this, he says, if you don't feel like the devil's attacking, that's because you're walking right there with them. And so when we grow church, when God is working, conflict happens. Conflict happens, but it's healthy conflict. So let me show you some of the places, some stories about what God has done in the last four years to give us a glimpse of what I pray is just kind of in our future. The, the first thing that God has proved this concept to us is that uh, when I first got here, we we're looking to update our rock cafe a little bit. As you can tell, we're updating it again. But when we first got here, we're like, we, we need some, uh, some things to spice up a rock cafe downstairs. And really quick, I forgot to do this. I apologize, we don't have donuts this morning. I knew that caused the ruckus. If you can bear with us just for a couple months so we get the Rock Cafe upstairs and complete it, we'll bring back the rolls. Bring back the rolls. Bring, we'll get that. We'll get that. Oh, come on. You guys are clapping at that? Oh, man. God, do a work. We're going to do this. But uh, that, so, so that's, we're updating that. But when I first got here, we were wanting to update the Rock Cafe. And, and so I'm like, no, we don't have a budget. And there was like maybe 20, 30 of us at that time. And, and we're like, oh, what do we do? We kind of want to have a nice cafe. And so I'm like, you know what? God, God will provide. God will do it. You know, we don't need to have it. But if it's God, then God will make it happen. Kind of one of those deals. And so I, I took a local pastor out for coffee. I was trying to get to know all the pastors in the valley. And took him out for coffee. And he says, do you know what? Um, you know, we, we're having a building. Uh, we're closing down one of our campuses. And uh, you know, we're just moving out some stuff. And I'm super interested in, like, systems and all those things of church things, and including building layouts and how churches do things. I, I like knowing how things are structured. And so I was like, hey, could you just give me a tour of your building? 
And he's like, yeah, that's kind of weird, but yeah, sure, I'll give you a tour of the building. So I'm like, okay, great. So we go there, and he's walking me through the kids' wing and the offices. I'm like, this is kind of a cool building. Like, it's pretty nice and all those things. And then he walks me into what they had, what was called the worship center. And I love this because when I first walked in, it wasn't set up like how we have things set up. It was actually set up in a cafe-style setting. And I saw the cafe-style furniture that we were looking for. And it clicked in my head. I knew exactly what was going to happen after this. And it took me everything in my body not to say anything because God says, don't you mess this up, Vaughn. Just, just close your mouth and let me work. And I said, okay. So I'm like, what are you going to do with all this? And so kind of like that. And he's like, I don't know. We're just, we want to get rid of it. It's just making, you know, causing room and no one wants it. And I'm like, ha like God's going to do something. So we walk out and I go out there and I'm like, so um, like, so like, what are your plans? Like, when do you need this cleaned out? And he's like, I got to get it cleaned out like by this weekend. And like, no one has room. And I'm like, well, oh, I guess we can make room at my church for it. <laughs> I kid you not. I kid you not. That's exactly what happened. And, he said, and I'm like, how much are you going to charge for all that? And he's like, well, I mean, we bought it from such and such place, and it's like multi-thousand dollar stuff. And I'm like, oh, like that's, I mean, can you ask your board, like, if we gave you $500 for everything, like, like that was probably an insult to throw it out there. But I'm like, if, if we just gave you $500 for everything, would you do that? He's like, I'll have to ask my board. So he goes, and I call my mentor, and I'm like, well, I don't know if this is going to work out. I showed him a really low offer. He calls me up 20 minutes later and says, our board says, yes, you can have it for $500. Can you get it out of our building now? So come on, church. That's good. That's good. Now, as I said at the beginning, small things, but nonetheless, God things. I mean, God has done so many crazy things, and we can chalk that up as saying, oh, that was, he was just being a really nice guy which he was, or that, oh, there was this, you were just lucky, they're moving out, and so they had to get rid of things, which they were, or saying, oh, that maybe you just, you know, you're just lucky, which, you know, I guess maybe if you want to, if you believe in that, put luck a part of it, but I believe without a shadow of doubt, that was God orchestrating something, orchestrating something, and this is the lesson in this church, is I want you to go through, it was so easy for me if I just said, you know what, I had a long day at work, I'll take you out to coffee, um, that's good, whatever. But as soon as he said, we're selling our building, I'm like, okay, maybe there's something there. Why? Because I knew what we were looking for. I knew what I felt like God was leading us to. The same way goes for you. God has a plan and a purpose for you and your life. But if you want to see God working in it, you have to be looking for God. You have to be looking for God. So like I said, small things, but nonetheless, God things. Why am I talking about this? God has a plan for this church. And I believe through decades of prayer from previous people and people who have been here for a while, you know what I'm talking about. I believe it's going to come into fruition in the next 10 years. I have seen such a radical change in the shift, the spiritual shifting in North Platte. Things are just, I can't explain. I just know it's there. And I, and I see people, and, and our church has just grown and doubled over the, next, uh, the last five months. And I mean, God is just doing something amazing. And I don't want to chalk it up to saying it's just chance. I don't want to chalk it up and saying it's just luck. I don't want to chalk it up just saying, oh, the Rock Church was just at the right place at the right time. I believe that's very belittling to God. God has a plan and a purpose for us since time began. He's going to see it come to life. 
And from what I have seen in the direction that we have been going, I believe we're going to be in a place where we're going to be at many places, the right places at the right time. Even this year, we have been intentional in seeing where God is moving and, and, and moving our resources and energy in that direction. For an example, we have a very unique culture here where just as many adults we have in service is about as many kids as we have back there. Y'all like having kids. Keep doing that. That's good things. And so, but we have an average between uh, 30 and 40 children back there every single Sunday. And so we could, it, it could be easy saying, oh, like, we got a lot of kids and oh, we don't have any space. And like, what are we going to do? And it's oh, just, you know, they're running around and they're spilling donuts everywhere. Da, 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 da. It's easy to do that. I was there. But then God did something in my perspective saying, you know what? Maybe it's not just we have a lot of kids. Maybe God is saying, I'm entrusting the Rock Church with the future of the spiritual church, and I'm bringing you the next generation of leaders so that you can invest in them, so you can train them up to the way they need to go. And so with that, we saw that coming afar, and we're like, okay, if God's going to do that now with our size, what's it going to look like next year, in two years, in three years, in the next five years? What are we going to have to do? And so we decided, well, let's go ahead and start a campaign. Well, Vaughn, last year we already did a campaign. I know, but God is doing something and I don't want us to miss out on it. And so we started a campaign. You see these envelopes on the floor, and, and this is not the bulk of today's message, but uh, we started off with, uh, I think all the rows were covered, but just in two months, we started try we're trying to raise $20,000. In two months, we just met $7,000 last week. Come on, that's good. Why is that good? It's because if you look around, we're not the biggest church in the valley. But man, the effort we put in in bringing God's kingdom impact to this place is like a church 10 times our size. Don't tell me a small church can't do anything good. Just like when they say, can anything good come from Nazareth? It's just a small podunk place. I think God's got something good cooking here. And I want us to be a part of that. It seems like wherever we sow where God is, it multiplies. And if that's the case, just to kind of put it out there, if we do this and we complete this, which we are, and you guys can go downstairs and look at the cool work that we've done uh, yesterday, in the next five years, we're going to have to do something different. Because if God keeps multiplying the way he has in this church, it means we can't fathom what we need to do in the years to come. And I want us to be open to what God is doing here. God has got something really good happening. What's, what's another story? Let me, let me share one more and we'll uh, end with this. Um, let me talk about the current state of churches in our rural areas. I talked about the business meeting that I believe God is calling us to pastor some of our rural areas because I love small towns. And I really, the reason I like this is because Jesus was from a small town called Nazareth. Do you guys know how big Nazareth was when Jesus grew up there? 500 people. 500 people. And so I would like to think small towns have a special place in Jesus' heart because he came from one. The current state of churches in our local rural areas is very sad. Not because the churches aren't healthy. There's some really great churches out there. But it's because in the next 10 years, most of the churches will shut their doors because their pastors are retiring. And what I'm wondering is what we see as a problem could that be a God opportunity for the Rock Church? Where instead of asking people to come to our building, what if we sent people to those places? 
Well, Vaughn, it sounds a lot like missionary work. You're exactly right. What if a problem that we see could be an opportunity for us? You see, in the next 10 years, there's going to be a dozen churches that are going to be closing their doors, pastors are retiring, and there are going to be people in these rural communities that are going to be there for their entire life because of livelihoods, but no Jesus-preaching church. Could that be an opportunity for us? Could that be an open door for you? Well, Vaughn, I'm not called to be a pastor. That's fine. Do you know what the current trend is now? It looks like more times than not, how the current state of churches are going, most pastors are going to be bivocational anyways. And with that being said, I can say this. You can be a railroader and still be a pastor to Sutherland. You could be a farmer and still pastor in Hershey. I mean, do you guys kind of see where this is going? Like God is looking for people to, who understands rural culture to go to preach the hope and the life-saving gospel of Jesus Christ. Because God is not done with rural towns. He has a plan and a purpose for them. So here's a what-if moment. If this is happening in the next 10 years, what if, what if we're going to start being intentional and looking for opportunities like that? Because I guarantee you, over the next couple of years, you're going to start hearing of, you know, my, my pastor retired. Or the young guy from seminary that came from a big city, he, small town living's not just for him, and he just went back to the big town. We don't have a pastor. What if that problem is actually an opportunity for us? Big plans, because I know that's never been spoken, but it's there. Here's another one. When I first got here, I noticed that there's a lot of people that come in for work and not, the work environment here is such a fast-paced culture that people don't have places to live. I've known people that accepted jobs but no homes, and so they'd had to live in their cars for a few months here with families doing that. And it's so easy to think, oh, we have the connection, we have those places, but let me tell you, they are at capacity every single day, and there's families sleeping in their cars underneath the bridges. What if that problem is a God opportunity for us. Like what? What am I talking about? I don't know. What if we started something like a dream center? But Vaughn, we're only a church of 100. Jesus only had 12 disciples. What if that problem is a God opportunity for the Rock Church? This is why I'm sharing this. I want you to open your eyes for God's spiritual movement around in your life. Because that's for this church. But what does he want to do in your life? What has he planned for you before you're in your mother's womb? And are you intentionally looking for it? Here's, some, here's, here's the two points I got for today. You see, we don't have to start something new as a church. I think churches get caught up in that too many times, and we got to start something. we got to start something. God is already on the move with things. What if we didn't start something, but we joined in the thing that God is doing? Here's the point. You don't have to start a movement to be a part of a movement. You don't have to start a movement to be a part of a movement. That's your first point in your notes. I don't want to get caught thing we looking for the new thing because that's what we need. God is already doing a thing. Let's just be a part of that. There was a story in Luke 9 that 
It was talking about the cost of following Jesus. And the thing I want to share about this is because a lot of times we're going to have to remove ourselves from the mundane things of life and partner with what God is doing. And this happened with the young man that came up to Jesus saying, you know what, Jesus, I see you got a really good thing going on. I want to partner with that. And he says, but before I do that, I need to go bury my dad. I need to go bury my dad. He, he died. And Jesus says something so incredible that I think we can learn as a church. He says, he, he told the young man, he says, you know what, let the dead bury the dead. Come and follow me. What are you saying? Sounds super harsh, Jesus, I know. But he was saying this. I need you to abandon all your plans in order to come fully after me. And as a rock church, we're going to do that. I, I, trust me, I'm a planner. I'm a type A person. That's super hard to do. But I've seen the more I let go, the more God does. And we're going to do that. Here's the second point in this. When you are in the right place at the right time, with the right response, underline that right response, God does the exponential. You see, God does always something. He puts us in the right place at the right time. But more times than not, we might not have the right response. What am I talking about? Go back to my Green Bay Packer awesome experience that I had. My friends' attitudes were of, I just want to go home. I want to sleep. I don't care. I'm tired. Let me tell you something. God usually moves when you're at your weakest. That should be a good thing you should write down. God, God usually moves when you're at your weakest. But I had the right attitude because I was intentionally looking for something. Even though I was tired just as my friends were, I saw something good going on and I wanted to be a part of it. What is your response when God shows up in your life? Is it, God, I'm really tired. God, I don't have the money. God, my kids have been, you know, rambunctious and they've been on my nerves all day. I don't have time for this. God, I'm not qualified. God, I don't have the right pedigree. I don't have the right, all the letters after my own name. God, God, God. And let me tell you, you can always give excuses to not to do something. Especially when it comes to God things. I have never heard of someone at the end of their life Tell me of the regrets of the things they tried to do and failed. Because I think that's the biggest thing we struggle with. The reason we don't do those things is because we're afraid of failing. Let me tell you, God's going to bring things to our doorsteps of the church. We're going to try them, and there's going to be times where we fail. But that's not a bad thing. The one thing that I have heard people at the end of their life tell me about the regrets, they regret not trying. They regret not trying. And as a church, I don't want to fall into that. I want to try, and I want to try, and we're going to win some, and we're going to lose some. This Easter, we're trying two services. We're going to see what happens. The 9 o'clock might be completely empty, and all y'all come at 11 o'clock. I'll preach to the empty chairs. It's totally fine. But we're not going to see that as, oh, we tried and we failed. We shouldn't try again. No, we're going to pick ourselves up, and we're going to hit it again. You see, this is, this is the, here's the big thing, because I know this feels like it's kind of going all over the place. God is always on the move in this church and your life. If you're not looking for it, you can miss it. God is always on the move in your life. If you're not looking for it, you can miss it. The stigma of small towns is we just go through the mundane things to just to get where we need to get going. But don't make that your focus. God 
has amazing plans for North Platte. And I encourage you, you guys see it at our Good Friday service. And there's more that to come. It's going to start and it's going to come quick. I really believe that. I really feel that. And here's my thing. We can't do it alone. We need you guys to be a part of that. God's got great plans. So here's the question. Do you believe you're a pivotal part in God's plans in North Platte? You need to ask yourself that question. Do you believe you're a pivotal part of God's plans in North Platte? So let's pray. Father, I know this message was just, it seems like a lot more stories and a lot more um, just kind of just talking, not a lot of scripture, but Lord, oh man, I, I feel like you're, you are moving at an exponential pace here in North Platte. I firmly believe North Platte is going to be a spiritual hub where people from all around us are going to come and they're, and they're going to find you, Jesus. And from this, people are going to become trained up, just as it was spoken before we got here, that specifically the Rock Church was going to be an incubator for leaders that were going to rise up and be sent out. God, I'm reminded of Gideon, who had such a small army. He started with the thousands, and, and, and it dwindled down to 300 people. A 300-person army, what could they ever do for the nation of Israel? But God, I see what you did in Gideon's life, and I see what you're doing at the Rock Church, and I say, if God is for us, who can be against us? There's nothing but victory that lies ahead. So Lord, I pray on behalf of all the people here, God, would you bring that to life? God, we may be a church of 100, but Lord, we're operating like a church of, of 1,000 people. Every week, people are getting saved. Every week, people find restoration. Every week, people find a new level of hope that they didn't have before. And it's only going to get better from here. So I only got two calls today. First one is this. It's just about that question. Do you believe you are a part of God's exponential plan in North Platte? If you believe that, this is just a, a, a kind of just a physical sign to affirm your spirit. If that is you saying, yes, I believe that, would you just slip your hand up? Saying, I believe I'm a part of God's exponential plan in North Platte. I believe I'm a part of God's exponential plan in the Rock Church. I believe I'm a part of God's exponential plan in my home and in my marriage, in my house, in my children's lives, in the place that I work. Because here's the thing, God has a plan for you and he wants to do it through you. Thank you, God. You can put your hands down. Second one is this, is saying, maybe you're here just thinking like, you know, I don't really feel like I have like a plan for my life. I don't feel like I'm a part of anything. I don't even have a walk with God. I don't have a relationship with Jesus. If that is you, I want to let you know, you can have that starting right now. You can have an exponential life with Jesus Christ. And it, it just starts with a prayer. It's nothing hard. And it goes on with a lifestyle. But if that is you, I, I just want to pray with you. Can you just do me a favor? No one's looking. You just slip your hand up and say, you know, that's me. I, I need to have this relationship with Jesus. I want to start that with today. Yeah, is there anyone else? Awesome. Praise God. Is there anyone else? Praise Jesus. Yeah. It's as simple as this. It's just saying, God, would you come into my life would you make my heart clean? God, starting today, I'm not following myself. 
but I'm going to run after you. You are the center of my life. And if you prayed that prayer, it starts right there, but it doesn't stop. Because after you leave this place, you're going to walk with Jesus, and your life is going to reflect that. God, I thank you for this message. I thank you for the big and bold, audacious plans you have for the Rock Church. I thank you for what you're going to be doing. And Lord, I pray as just as the pastor steering uh, this church and where I feel like you're calling us to, Lord, we are going to be on the lookout for the plans that you have, Lord. When, when we hear uh, of a church that has to close their doors, God, we're not going to say, oh, that's a bummer, but we're going to say, maybe that's a God opportunity that we can step in and help out and further the gospel in that community. That, Lord, when we see our church growing and we got to maybe go to two services. We're not going to say, oh, that just requires, you know, double my time on Sundays. But we're going to say, do you know what? God is growing and that's a God opportunity. Lord, when we're revamping the kids wing downstairs and bring the Rock Cafe, it's not just, oh, it's just a lot more work and more money and resources. It's we're going to try to keep up with the good things that you're doing at the Rock Church. God, I thank you. I thank you that you're on the move in this body. You're such an amazing God. And Lord, I'm excited for what you're going to be doing in the future. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And everyone said, amen, amen. Church, will you give it up for the two people that gave their hearts to Christ this morning? It's good.